0: what's up it is the bober and hanley pro football podcast here is he is the pro and the nebraska football hall of famer too see i gotta sneak that in there every now and then chris bober with me i'm nick hanley with am 590 espn omaha we are a little more than a week away from the super bowl and so we'll have plenty more to get to that next week we might even have some special guests next week we might have a little round table we'll see what happens you just never know but uh, we got a lot to talk about, both what took place last weekend and then the news cycle in the NFL that is dominating the headlines has nothing to do with the Super Bowl, and that has to do with a certain quarterback trade, potential trade. So, Bober, first of all, it's the Bucks where I was completely wrong. I thought it'd be Green Bay, and we were both right on the Chiefs. We both had the Kansas City Chiefs going, and honestly, Kansas City – far more dominant than I thought that they would be against the bills and Tampa Bay, you got to give them a lot of credit. That defense against Aaron Rodgers was phenomenal. It was, it was an unbelievable effort by Tampa Bay.
1: It really was. It seems to me, and I know we're going to break down the games here as we get along here, but it seems to me that the teams whose quarterback played better um, won the games, right? Yeah. Mahomes played out of this world and he it, it wasn't exactly easy for him. He, they did send pressure after him. He got away. He made some fabulous throws under pressure, made all the right reads, um, had a great game. And Tom Brady, who threw three interceptions in the game, still played really, really well in the key moments of the game, right? The two-minute drill, um, stealing that touchdown at the end of the second quarter was huge. Mm-hmm. Um, his ability to, to make plays in the red zone, uh, excuse me, in third down was enormous, right? He was. He had 12 passes, Oh, um, nine passes over 12 yards seven of them are on third down so third and long he was converting we saw that on the first drive um, played really really good even though he threw some interceptions um, one of them went off Evan's hand but um, he plays well in great situations also they score touchdowns in the red zone where um, the, the Packers scored field goals so I know we're again we're going to get into all that, that later on but the quarterbacks who played better I think won, the, won those games.
0: Yeah. And you know, the, honestly, when you kind of look at what sort of transpired afterwards, you know, we'll get into the Deshaun Watson conversation in a moment too, but it, it's amazing, you know, Aaron Rodgers, who is typically somewhat cryptic with what he says. And I know he went on the Pat McAfee show and he said, Hey, look, there was nothing about what I said. There was no agenda. I'm not trying to hint that I'm you know, looking to leave. Uh, he, he said simply, there's no absolutes in the NFL. So he's not going to give an absolute answer. Now, I talked to Rob Domofsky, who covers the Packers for ESPN earlier this week on the show, and he said Aaron Rodgers does not say anything without having thought it out already. So what he said on the Pat McAfee show, yeah, there's probably some truth to it. But to think that Aaron Rodgers has not considered the possibility that he may not be in Green Bay is probably not true. And so he's one of so many, there was this crazy tweet by Adam Schefter that listed the amount of quarterbacks and the names that basically have uncertain futures in 2021, he basically listed 10 jobs Mm -hmm. in the NFL that are actually, you know, basically settled when it comes to quarterback, everybody else, has uncertain futures and some of those names, Chris, are impressive. I mean, you, you could start with Aaron Rodgers and we'll, we'll see. I mean, I think Aaron Rodgers is still a long shot to be anywhere else but Green Bay. I think but
1: put Goff on that list, put- yes,
0: Jared Goff on there. Uh, you, you have uh, now we know officially Matthew Stafford is on that list because that will be. A trade. But, you know, even guys like, you know, you, you kind of start looking at around the the entire league. I mean, Kirk Cousins with Minnesota. I'm not trying to say Kirk Cousins is, a, is an amazing quarterback, but, you know, it's it's not for certain that he's going to be with the Vikings next year. Teddy Bridgewater, who just landed with the Carolina Panthers, you know, he might be part of the Deshaun Watson sweepstakes or could just be dealt at some point, too. I mean, it, it's, it's really imp- Matt Ryan, another guy that looks like it's more likely than not that he's going to be with another team so this could be one of the most interesting off seasons when it just comes to the quarterback position for quarterbacks Chris that you and I have watched for at least 10 years that have had some very successful careers
1: yeah so I'll address both of those real quick I think Adam Schefter put it the over under at 13 mm-hmm. quarterbacks have new quarterbacks starting for their team week one of 2021 which is just an amazing number and it goes to show you how the NFL is kind of the haves and have-nots when it comes to quarterbacks, right? Yeah. You see the the prevalence of the quarterbacks in this in this playoffs, and it was evident that the teams with the best quarterbacks are the best teams. So they're really going to be pushing hard for the, to have a premium quarterback. Um, Touch on Aaron Rodgers just a little bit. I was honestly disappointed in in, in, in how Aaron Rodgers handled that, right? Uh, first and foremost, he got I'm not saying he got beat up, but he did get kind of stymied in that game. Uh, Tampa confused him a little bit. Um, no question. He Live things there. I personally thought that, you know, this guy's the league MVP. He's known for being a winner. And I think there's a a major chink in his armor for his legacy with how he handled into that game. I thought he could have at least tried to run that football on third down. I don't know why. I I totally
0: agree. Totally.
1: If if you're the league MVP and you're this greatest quarterback, you know, and you've got a chance to go to the Super Bowl, uh, you know, just take off and go. He, He had a chance. I don't know if he scored his touchdown, but. Why not try it? You no, know, your teammates see that, and guys are getting their heads beat in trying to protect him, and he he kind of duffs it over to a, a double cover guy and threw it in the ground, yeah. right? And and then from that point, he he really could have had a, a valid cause and reason to say, I want to go for it on fourth down if it's only fourth and two, yeah. but when he he kind of poo pooed that play. Then he, go, he goes to the sidelines and he doesn't go to the coach and like get in his face and say, we should go for it. He goes to the, goes to the bench and just like kind of mopes, right? And you saw him the rest of the game because he didn't get the ball back. I don't know. I just feel like that's a little bit more. I'd like to see a quarterback be more proactive. I mean, if you have a disagreement with it, go, go get the coach. I mean, go get yeah. in the coach's face. Go do something about it. It just comes off as kind of a baby in my mind. And then, of course, he plays this game. It's like a kind of a drama queen kind of situation. I, I it's probably the first time I really looked down on Aaron Rodgers. I just think that his legacy took a major hit. Um, because who knows when you're gonna get a chance to go to another Super Bowl. And now he's still behind Brett Favre and all that stuff. I think I think it's the pressure that weight on him. And I just think that if, if that guy is the MVP of the league, he makes that play and does it yeah. and then doesn't whine about it afterwards. That that's my feeling. Um, I can't, he's a great quarterback, very, very great football players just I feel like he had a, an opportunity to step up to that moment he didn't do it
0: well it's a great place to get into that game then because two things really stand out and then there's one thing that Packer fans will kind of use as maybe window dressing and what I mean is you know just kind of the the distraction or the one thing to kind of lure you in when it's really not the the crux of the situation Some Packer fans and I shouldn't lump them all in there. In fact, probably the majority of the Packer fans realized they had plenty of chances to win this football game. One of the situations is what you just brought up there on third down. Um, But the pass interference at the end. Look, Kevin King was being victimized the entire game. And look, I get it. It's a game where you're trying to fill out the officials, see what they are calling, what you can get away with and what you can't. A lot of hand checking, a lot of physical play going on between receivers and DBs throughout that entire game. And I remember during the broadcast at one point, Troy Aikman even saying that he felt that, hey, they were letting him play. Having said that, Chris, I, I can't sit there and say that it was a terrible call because the jersey was grabbed not once, but twice. And that receiver had free range at that football if he is not impeded. To me, that is pass interference. When you see the jersey separate from the body, and you keep a guy from completing his route, and I know Rodgers said he thought it was a bad call, thought it might be an unca- uncatchable pass. I don't necessarily even know if it was an uncatchable pass because Brady kind of floated it, and if you have that receiver with free range to get to that football, I think he might be able to run under it, and he's probably scoring. So I think Kevin King also kind of looked at, well, crap, I just got beat. I'd rather take this than, you know, giving up a touchdown, even though Tampa Bay was trying to run out the clock and get just a first down to ice it away. I think that was a pass interference to me. I, I think that that is a, I think it's, a, it's, a, it's an excuse to cover up what the real issues. If we want to talk about where green Bay lost this game. I think that that was an excuse.
1: Yeah. And and the reality is if you didn't want that play to happen or you want, you don't want to put the game in the officials hands like that. First of all, it was an obvious pass interference call. There's no way Mm -hmm. you could not call that in that moment. If he had got there a little early or he was hand checking it or even had his hand around his waist where it wasn't obvious. But when you have a jersey or a shirt being pulled a good foot to two feet behind him, how do you not make that call? Right, that the right. officials are in that position for a reason. They they had to make that call, but you know, for Rogers and for everyone else, well, don't give the ball back to Brady with, with an eight point lead. You know, if, if you wanted to not put the game into the officials' hands, then then take off on third down, and try to run that ball in the end zone. Right, uh, the excuse come out. I think it might be a little emotional from that point, but really the reality is, if they would have if they would have scored there, or at least attempted to score then it, w- it would have been a moot point you'd have been trying to get the ball back with a tie game or trying to get yeah. a field what, whatever it would have been i i just feel like you you do have to play the officials too and, and yeah. then, honest to god you have to play the officials i mean yeah. i was in a playoff game where the officials literally cost us the game by not making the right call in the playoffs and then they admitted they made the bad call because it wasn't even yeah. a judgment call it was a procedural thing it didn't matter you know, but we shouldn't have put ourselves in that situation either. Yeah. We had plenty of opportunities to win that game, and football comes down to several plays throughout a game, not just one. So, I find it was more excuse there too. But you look at that, at that game, you know, it's kind of funny how this is turns out because Tampa Bay you know, was the underdog. They ended up covering by eight. They they did a great job. Um, the, the, what stood out to me in this game, because the numbers and statistics are all very equal, right? I, in mm-hmm. fact, the numbers favor Green Bay when it comes to turnovers. Tom Brady threw three in Yeah, this game.
0: Tom, but, Brady was, Tom Brady was not the goat in this game. In fact, he gave Green Bay plenty of opportunities to come back and win that football game.
1: He did. He did. But there's some things he did really, really well. He played really well in the big situations of mm-hmm. this game. Right, and that's football comes down be. to how you match up situationally. And Tom Brady converted on third down a lot. You know, nine of seven of his third down conversion passes were over twelve yards. That's amazing against a defense that was playing really well at home. Um, now Tampa was given kind of a gift; they didn't have to play in the snow. It wasn't windy. Um, conditions were pretty kind of neutral. But it could have been Brady, worse. They definitely Tom, could have been worse. Oh yeah, Tom Brady converted third downs. He did an amazing job. He he got touchdowns in the red zone, right? Uh, Tampa really committed to running the football, even though they didn't run it that much. I mean, they didn't get a lot of yards. Their their leading rusher um, was Fournette who only had 30 or 55 yards, but he had three touchdowns, right? And that really set up their play action. I thought that they stuck to their game plan more because you know, they, they just executed better and they, they had drops. Godwin had drops. Evans had drops. One of them was for an interception. But when it came to the big situations in this game, Tampa really executed. You look at the end of the game with well, any one first down to win the game and they get it. Yeah. By running the ball when Green Bay knew they were going to run the ball, they just executed better at those. So even if it wasn't, you know, statistic wise, Rodgers had more yards. He had more touchdowns. I mean, the same touchdowns, more, you know, less interceptions. But, but the big moments
0: of that game, Brady owned them, and Aaron Rodgers did it. You know, the other thing that I, I, I find notable, and we had not seen it in the two games that he didn't play, was David Bakhtiari. He tears his ACL in the week uh, leading up to the regular season finale against Chicago. Uh, didn't hurt him in that game. Didn't hurt him in the playoff game. Shaq Barrett, shout out to uh, Boys Town UNO alum right there too, Shaq Barrett. Had yeah. himself a day. I mean, the the entire Tampa Bay defensive front, that was the other thing, too. They were getting pressure without necessarily having to send backers and get creative. I thought Todd Bowles was fantastic in this game. He outschemed Matt LaFleur and the offensive staff for Green Bay from start to finish. And, and that was really impressive to watch. But I do wonder if David Bakhtiari is playing, if they have a little bit more of a challenge getting to Aaron Rodgers, because I can honestly say, even when Rodgers was getting the ball away and completing passes, he was taking shots. He was mm-hmm. having to backpedal. He was having to use a lot more of his athleticism. He was under a lot more duress. And I still do wonder if, that also kind of played into that third that key third down that we were talking about, the third and goal at the eight yard line where he had been rushed so many different times. he was kind of moving side to side trying to sort of uh, trying to extend plays where he was so used to extending plays running out of the pocket and then releasing the football that all of a sudden he just had that momentary you know brain fart that, Oh crap, I can run for this because all day long he was kind of stepping up in the pocket, moving left to right and having to try to release the football. I, I don't know. I mean, only Aaron Rodgers could answer that for you, but I, I still do think that what Tampa Bay did defensively to me just it was it was incredible. And and to your point, yeah, Tom Brady. I don't want to say he was awful because he did. I mean, the dime that he throws right before halftime, first of all, again, Kevin King, Green Bay, what the hell are you doing defensively in that situation to begin with? But if you look at Green Bay having an opportunity, they had an interception right in their hands before that play. They do not make the interception. You give Tom Brady another opportunity. And as we know, even the great ones, if they are struggling or if they're kind of, you know, just having a mediocre game, give them extra opportunities more times than not they are going to kill you on that and then the other thing i look at yes the field goal the 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 decision to kick the field goal i still do not understand that because you are putting the football into the goat's hands you are basically hoping that you're going to get the football back you're not assuring yourself a touchdown
1: the field goal, you still have to score a touchdown
0: right you know and and think of the worst case scenario if they go for it they give Tampa Bay the ball back with essentially four timeouts because he still have a two minute warning at their own eight yard line. So you're still playing the field position game. It's still a one possession game. I just, I did not understand that. And the fact that remains Aaron Rodgers, for as good as he is, and I will be one of the first to say that he is when he's on. I don't know if there's anybody better that in the fourth quarter, again, going back to the Brady mistakes, They had one, two, three opportunities in the fourth quarter to take the lead. And they didn't do that. So, again, I I keep going back to this pass interference. That's fine if you want to convince yourself that that cost you the game. I I, I completely disagree. I think there was a coaching decision that was made that was extremely um, maybe over-analytical. And I I think that the Packers just did not cash in on the opportunities that their defense did give them with, with turnovers. I mean, they did, they had a chance to overcome an 18 point deficit. They didn't do it and they only have themselves to blame. And, but you also have to really give a lot of credit to Tampa Bay and a team that we always talk about their offense because of Tom Brady and the, the weapons that they have that defense to me, that that might've been the best performance I've seen this defense play. Yeah. You know, the two key situations, I thought personally that
1: the um, the touchdown before the half was one of the key situations of the game. I thought mm-hmm. that, you know, that sent them into, into the locker room at 21 to 10, which is way different than 21, yep. than 14 to 10, right? Kind of a backbreaker there. And then I don't think they recovered from that. They came out and played okay, but they, it's just too big of a cushion, right? Mm-hmm. Um, I thought going forward, the analytics on that, I, you know, I, I wish they would take the number of, you know, six and throw it in there because that's how many um super bowls tom brady's won and say factor that against giving the ball back to that guy right i mean you still needed a touchdown even if you get a field goal there now you have to get another touchdown so might as well yeah. go for the touchdown there and in my mind you were actually you were right you would pin them back that that is a different set of play calling when you're yeah. when you're backed up versus um if you're like at the, the the
0: thirty yard line, forty yard line, with a kickoff return, and, so, and and Chris, and that that's where I think it is important to bring up, Brady was kind of turnover prone. So if they do have to throw the football in the shadows of their own goalpost, he wasn't throwing the ball necessarily all that confident. So I mean, who's to say he doesn't make a mistake there too? I mean, it just again, I I, I don't understand it. Well,
1: you know, I think you got to look at the quarterback and the coach on their side and say, do I want to give the ball back to them? It's just a yeah. big thing. Now, to, to address the defense before we move on to that Chiefs game, you know, what Tom Bowles did was amazing, right? And I loved watching the matchup they had. And he has an amazing gift having such a great front four because of the five sacks they had, every single one of them came from a four-man rush. Mm-hmm. Like, they didn't come from blitzes. And Tom Bowles is known to dial up blitzes, but the, the blitzes weren't what sack Aaron. Aaron Rodgers it was the one-on-one beating um, the tackles right and then we're going to definitely talk about that going into the Chiefs game but he did that and what they like to do this game they played what's called two man right so they played a cover two but then everyone else up front was playing man-to-man defense and what that allowed them to do is they allowed the, the safeties to kind of be back there and be ball hawks and but the guys up front could be really aggressive And sometimes they use that one of those safeties to double Devontae Adams or whoever would be deep. But they topped off the defense. The guys were aggressive and it was and they got pressure with four guys up front. It it was a a very great effort by the front by the front four. And and, you know, I think the difference in this game and we're going to point to that when we talk about the Chiefs game, you know, Super Bowl. Is that Brady. You know, that was a great plan because Brady's not going to move. Right. He's kind of a statue back there and Brady's going to try to beat you with his his mind and, and his eyes and his manipulation of the defense, but he's not going to beat you by buying time. So that's going to be the difference going into the Super Bowl is, yeah, you might get pressure, but you're, Tom Brady, when you get to him, you're going to sack him. You know what I mean? Aaron Rodgers, who for some reason, you know, he has been known to be a running quarterback, but when's the last time you've seen him take off a run? He's kind of become more of a Tom Brady-esque, you know, sitting in the
0: pocket. He doesn't move around like he used to. Yeah, I feel like he'll he'll use it if it's an absolute last resort. He he has no. the capability and the ability to do so. But yeah, I, I'm with you.
1: I, I think he. I think if I remember correctly, one time in this game, he tried to take off a run and got caught from behind.
0: You know what I mean? So he's not
1: that same. He's not that threat with his feet. And I think once Tampa saw that, they're like, "All right, he's not going to run. We're going to go get him, right? And we no. don't have to blitz him to get him." So that'll be the difference in, in the game plan. It's not going to be the same one because you you know if you get through Mahomes, doesn't mean you're going to get him a sack on him like it was maybe with Rodgers, who's not running as well. So um, that'll be a fascinating uh, matchup, but I, I will give Tampa credit. I did not think that their DBs had it in them to to cover those receivers, but man, Adams was a non-factor, a really a non-factor. He had, I think he had – oh, God, it's not very much. He wasn't even a leading receiver for them. Mm-hmm. And and, and I, I just can't believe that they – they, they got him that much and, and you know he's really showed in the red zone where they tried to go to him three times in a row and by the way rogers missed that throw the one that was in the pylon you know yeah. a split second longer and that's a touchdown um they just didn't execute whatever they did they, they got in, into their heads or made them made them not execute nearly as well as they have been in the past
0: yeah and so that game i mean I have no problem saying I was way off on it. I didn't give Tampa Bay enough credit. In fact, I said going in, the reason I liked Green Bay is I felt like they'd made the, the necessary improvements defensively in the offseason, the last two years, really. And I, I liked Mike Pettin's scheme. I thought that they would be a lot better than they were, but it ended up being Todd Bowles and Tampa Bay's defense. That was the difference in this particular game. Now, going to the AFC championship game. Would you
1: hold just to say that? I still think Ray Bay was a better team, honestly. Oh, I do too. I, they, I totally they did. not They just – I didn't think there was any way that in their stadium, in those conditions, that they would let this game get away. And they did. They got outplayed. They got out executed yep. talent-wise on paper. They are the better team. They really are. But I don't know what, what it was. They just did not perform well. I think it's a major um, – if you're looking at a legacy, I think it took a major hit. Uh, Rogers. Rodgers' legacy took a hit by him now going one and four in conference championship games just did not play very well at all. And that's going to be something he's going to have to face for a while just because it wasn't very good.
0: And, and not to belabor the point either, but remember what this year was for Aaron Rodgers. Last year, the, the Green Bay Packers used the number one overall pick or not overall number one, their first round pick yep. on Jordan Love. And so this was kind of the scorched earth tour for Aaron Rodgers. And it played out that way up until the NFC championship game. And this was supposed to be that emphatic moment of Aaron Rodgers really kind of driving that exclamation point on, on the season that he had getting back at the Super Bowl and having a chance to win number two, he wins number two. And all of a sudden maybe uh, he does. You say, yeah, you know what? Green Bay, if you guys want to trade me now, I'm good with that. I, I got two rings here. Cool. Uh, I do wonder if some of his frustration after the game, too, was that all of the momentum that was built up leading into Sunday seemed to just provide a glorious path to the Super Bowl, and it didn't happen. And not only did it not happen, but he was absolutely harassed throughout that game by a defense. And so I, I do understand some of the emotions that come with that, and I do wonder if that reality of man this thing just seemed like it was trending to the Super Bowl it doesn't happen that it, all of a sudden you start rethinking just everything about what you're currently doing and what your future might look like too so maybe that's where some of those comments afterwards sort of come from as well a lot of emotions there and it's,
1: it's yeah. been to happen right after tough losses right it's almost like they need like a cooling off period but um, that's not how the, that's not how this media game works. So yeah. we'll see what happens with Aaron Rodgers up there. In all honesty, I don't think he's going anywhere. I think he'll cool I up. don't either. He's got a great situation. He just blew a really good opportunity.
0: Yeah, and, and you know what? There, there are 20 teams, at least, that I think are going to be interested in Deshaun Watson or at least have some type of uh, pitch for the Houston Texans. Green Bay is not one of them. Green, no. even if it was something with Jordan Love, because I think Aaron Rodgers is there for at least another year, if not two more, based on the way that he played. This was one of his better years. Mm-hmm. How do you justify saying, yep, let's get rid of him now? I mean, this Green Bay is still a very good football team. Uh, they've got some decisions that they have to make in the offseason, but this should be a very competitive team. The entire NFC North is mm-hmm. going to be in transition for the most part. So, uh, you know, I, nobody could make a, a case for me why Green Bay should not be the odds on favorite to win the division next year and be right back in the playoffs. And if you're right back in the playoffs, don't you want to be there with number twelve?
1: I I would take them over Tampa right now. I mean Aaron Rodgers, he had 336 yards, three touchdowns. He yeah. played good. He just a couple of big moments he
0: didn't get. And that's the difference between um really, really good and really, really great. So yeah. Speaking of really, really great, uh, I, I was talking to Adam Teicher, who covers uh, the Chiefs for the uh, for ESPN, and, and I'd asked him before the Browns game in the playoffs, I said, you know what, you know, Kansas City hasn't been playing the most inspiring football as of late. Is there a possibility they're just kind of lying in the weeds? Not necessarily doing it intentionally, but just kind of lying in the weeds. But once that stage gets bigger, you look at this roster, you look at guys like Mahomes and Tyreek Hill and Kelsey, and all of a sudden it just sort of flips on. And he said it and I totally understood where he was coming from. He said, Yeah, you know, maybe, but it's it's not that easy to do that, regardless of how good you are. Bober, I watched that game. It's hard for me to to not look at Kansas City's play in that game and just think, man, either they were hearing that they were going to struggle against Buffalo or whatever they look like a team that was highly motivated. They get down nine to nothing, just like we saw last year, you know, coming from behind in the postseason, and they just made it laughable from there on out. And, and speaking of field goals, we can get into McDermott's decisions to make, to kick field goals instead of going for points, but still Kansas city. I mean, I, I think they were, it, it got to a point where they were just kind of toying with Buffalo.
1: Well, I, here's what I'll say about all of that. Um, and this is where you want to point to a guy like Andy Reid as being one of the better coaches we'll probably ever see and should go down as one of the greatest ever. Um, I think he he doesn't get caught up in the moment of games during the season, especially, but looks at maybe more of the bigger picture. Right. I, I think I honestly think that the Chiefs knew that they were as good as they were. And I think they use the, the second half of the season to fine tune some things so that they can really hone in on the playoffs. I really do. Um, most teams I've been around, I've been on a Bowl team. I've been all this stuff. You can't do that because you're trying to just survive, right? And are past survival mode. They're in dynasty mode, right? They're, they're in the point now where they're like, okay, let's take this second half of the year and let's try out this package with this personnel and this play with this window dressing. And getting the bye week really gave them a, a, an opportunity to sit back and assess everything that they are and then go into this this playoffs really kind of dialed in. And I, and I think that's what they were doing more than just kind of not playing too hard. I think that they were um, trying to peak at the right time. And, and Andy Reid, you remember back in the early 2000s, I know this because I played against him. He always had teams that came out like 8-0, right? Remember the Eagles? They went to three yeah. straight. Um, NFC Championship games, but they always petered out at the end. It's what it's what most teams do, honestly. Every one of these teams we're talking about losing had a great start to the season, and they petered out. Well, Andy Reid somehow has figured out how to be playing your best football going into the playoffs, and I think he just throttled back. Honestly, I think he pulled a Belichick. I think he put, he sit there and said, "Listen, we are going to be we're going to be global about this. We're not going to be focused in on just trying to beat the Raiders or the Chargers." We're gonna to try to be the world. And, and that's everything we're gonna do is gonna be go to win this game, but also go towards evidence and building a, a plan for the playoffs. And I think that's what they did. Honestly, I think that they 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 have they didn't throttle back. They didn't, you know, they weren't not playing hard. It's just they were they were experimenting and they were trying different things so that they knew that they knew they were going to the playoffs. They knew that they're probably gonna get number one seed, but now now they get to act like it. Right now, they are prepared for this, and that's what's scary. It's really scary uh, to think about anyone who has to play the Chiefs. Like, what are you going to do? How are you going to stop yeah, doing this?
0: I know it, and, you know, I we've talked so much about Josh Allen at times throughout the season. He has played at MVP caliber, and, you know, if you go back two years ago, they were not winning because of Josh Allen. Uh, this year, they were winning because of Josh Allen, and he was, uh, again, He was tricked. He was frustrated. We talked so much about the Chiefs' offense, and rightfully so. I just don't think you can defend Mahomes and Tyreek Hill. You're kidding yourself if you think you can. But the Chiefs' defense, they deserve a lot of credit. They were the difference in this game, and we thought this thing could be a shootout. We thought this thing could come down to the final possession. Chiefs' defense would not allow that to happen. They had a great game plan. I thought Steve Spagnuolo deserves a lot of credit for what they were able to do. And especially with Buffalo getting a lead, it, you just – it's almost like if you're a defensive coordinator, it, it's like Novocaine. Just give it time. You know the offense for the Chiefs is going to kick in. They're going to take the lead. They're going to put you in a very comfortable position. And, uh, you know, then it's up to you to to make the key stops. And I, I wanted to know, Chris, going into this game, how Josh Allen would handle this kind of stage – and I think it was safe to say there, there were some nerves. There were some decisions that he made that you didn't always see throughout the regular season. And I don't know if that was necessarily everything on the Chiefs defense or if some of that was just not being in that type of a game where this could be a great learning experience for Josh Allen. Either way, we just didn't get the Josh Allen that we had seen throughout the year. And I think to a large degree, that's credit to the Kansas City Chiefs defense.
1: Well, especially early in the game. Right, I mean Josh Allen. He took that sack. He had a, um, you know, a, a intentional grounding penalty early. Chiefs were really, really confusing him, and I, I love because yeah. they're they, were, they were a lot of man. They love sticking to guys. Tony Romo talked about their defense being DBs being sticky, right? They yeah. were letting them play, and they were taking. It reminds me of the old New England, you know, when they were going to be really right. physical. Um, and then Spagnolo drew up some great rushes some great blitzes they disguise stuff they love to put like tyron matthew down there watch this in the super Bowl. He, he's up there like down, last year he takes off running down the middle of the field because he's going to now a post safety instead of a blitzing safety mm-hmm. and he does that right in the middle of the quarterback's cadence so that changes everything they just did so much to get to them and and alan missed some throws um so i think what the chiefs did that was the biggest thing and, and we talked about this is they didn't allow the, the buffalo bills to, to run the football right they tried early but you know the running back that had the most yards was singletary for 17 yards josh allen led the bills in rushing so josh allen of the second half played i think pretty good football like this this third quarter and fourth quarter i thought josh allen played like the josh allen that that we expected early in the game that i was a little bit afraid that he was going to show up early and make this thing a shootout but he, he didn't, he, he didn't play good early. He played better later. He started using his feet. He got, he got, he got a lot of first downs that was frustrating, you know, but they had such a big lead. It didn't matter. Yeah. So I think they, I think they became too one dimensional, honestly, you know, they, they really tried to force the ball to digs who only had 77 yards. Um, Beasley. I thought Beasley was going to hurt him. He had, he had some good catches, got some first downs, but it never amounted to much. Right there was always the Chiefs' defense on the play um, to to put them in, in third in third and unattainable, and they weren't able to do it. So they had to kick field goals, they had to punt. Um, j- just an all around great effort. It, it, it's very reminiscent of how the Chiefs were playing last year. It just it's almost impossible to kind of you really got to get the Chiefs to make make some mistakes to beat them because yeah, they're they're better than everyone else.
0: I guess my final thoughts on the, on the Chiefs would be that look, they made a heavy investment into Patrick Mahomes in the offseason, half a billion dollars. And look, if you've got the money uh, and you're able to spend it, you get that kind of result. You're going to do it. Mm-hmm. The thing about it. And it's funny. We pre- kind of bring up Josh Allen, who, you know, was probably a bit out of sorts, maybe didn't have the most confidence. Uh, once things kind of went sideways on the Buffalo Bills side of it. You're watching Patrick Mahomes, just like last year, they get down nine to nothing last year. They're down 24 points. There is never a you know, a, a doubtful bone in Patrick Mahomes' body, and he conveys that on the sideline. So the physical part of it, why I say this is one of the reasons he's worth the money he got, oh, is there? there's no lead that is ever safe when you're playing against Patrick Mahomes. You could be up by 24, you could be up by nine, it doesn't matter. There's no lead that's safe because of his physical abilities, but then watch him on the sideline. The genuine article when it comes to getting guys on the same even keel confident level that he is they know as long as he's upright and he's breathing everybody on that sideline knows that they are if no matter how much they're down they're going to win the football game you cannot look at really anybody else in the league other than maybe three or four quarterbacks and say they had that same kind of impact that alone to me is such a valuable commodity that you just do not see in in professional sports let alone in the NFL
1: yeah and we're seeing it play out I mean we saw that when Nicole Hardman had that fumble right, right? It, it mattered so much to him because he felt like he let his team down that he was embarrassed and he's covered himself up with a with a um with a jacket and Mahomes goes over there takes off say hey listen be you we'll get you yeah. back right? Well, we got your back. And, and then they had the, the the fortitude to go back to him mm-hmm. and let him make one of the game-changing plays on that reverse where he ran a 50-yard reverse. It, it just goes to show you how complete the Chiefs are top to bottom. I mean, really. The leadership that they have in Andy Reid, and you think of a guy like bien who gets to stay for one more year, and they, they, they're stacked. I mean, it's like a, the dream team. It, it's a dream team of football. It really yeah. is. And it's just all the hard work that they put in is, is paying off and Mahomes puts in more work than anyone else. He studies more, he's more prepared. He also happens to be pretty physically good as far as what he does. It's just, it's amazing. I, I I'm enjoying this as a Chiefs alum because um, these things don't happen, but once in a lifetime, but they have quite a, a unit put together here and, and they took it to Buffalo. And, and I think um, their coach said the best He so that there's a big gap between them and us. There really is. You know, the Chiefs and I'm not going to say everyone, everyone, the whole NFL, but, you know, I mean, prior the AFC, they have they yeah. have a large lead right now. If there was like if this is baseball, they'd have the, they'd have next year clinched already. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, so we're excited. Um, it's going to be exciting to get to get into the Super Bowl matchup next week, because I think it's going to be very similar to last year's Super Bowl.
0: Before we go, I uh, got to ask you about the big news this week Deshaun Sean Watson uh, yesterday morning officially request a trader. I guess he had uh, two days earlier than what it was officially reported yesterday. So that was in the works. They do. The Texans do get a new head coach. It is not Eric B enemy. It doesn't sound like no matter who the coach was uh, B enemy or not B enemy, but uh, Watson was, was done. How do you think this thing plays out? I mean, what, what, what's kind of your thoughts on, on the whole situation that's transpiring with the Houston Texans?
1: Um, This should be interesting how it turns out. I don't have a great read on it because, uh, I feel like Watson, I don't feel like what I'm hearing coming out of like his camp is, is, it doesn't match up with the guy I see on the field. Right. Um, God, I just, I, I, it's unexpected for him to come out and be this demanding. And this, there has to be something that we're not, we don't know about that that's transpired because he's such a team guy. He went out there and got his head beat in this year and still was one of the top quarterbacks.
0: Yeah. Great um, numbers.
1: And he, he loves, he loved, he didn't have a problem with Houston. He signed a huge contract there uh, and not that much has changed. I mean, the quarterback, I mean, I don't know. I, I I'm waiting here to see the documentary on this because <laughs> He just doesn't come off like a, a diva. It doesn't come off like a no, a, not at all. demanding guy. So there has to be some pretty horrendous things that have happened. Um, I got to, man, I don't know where Houston goes. Where do you go from this? Because you're going to have like a $30 million cap hit from him. Yeah. You don't have any draft picks because you trade him all the way with your last GM slash coach. Um, you got a quarterback that, you know, you can play hardball and not trade him. But wh- where does that end up?
0: I don't know exactly with with a new coach and a new GM. You got a a disgruntled quarterback too. I, Bober. My my advice for Houston is, you know what? Cut bait, but get as big of a haul as you can. You go and ask Deshaun Watson. Hey, what are the five teams that you want to go to? Because I'm not going to negotiate with 20 teams. Who are the five teams that you are interested in dealing with? Because he's got that no trade clause. So he's got to initially or ultimately sign off on it give me five teams and get the biggest haul you can work those five teams against each other until you get multiple draft picks. You get somebody also in return that can be a difference maker right now. I mean, that's if I'm the Texans, I, I rebuild through yeah. this trade.
1: Well, you, know, you have to I mean, they're, they're, they're at such a low point right now. Anyway, mm-hmm. um, with having been kind of gunned into their top talent. Right. Yeah. And you know, just O'Brien did such a, Job down there to him. And It wasn't just him. I get that. It, you know, but they they did. They, they feel like they're kind of towards the bottom now. And you and you happen to have a quarterback who who I would take almost over almost anyone in the NFL. I think most teams would. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's a very delicate situation, right? Because they they stand to lose a lot. Like thirty million dollars cap hit in, in a declining salary cap year. Gosh, I didn't even want to know what that's gonna how bad that's yeah. gonna hurt. But like you like you said, I think they got to. I think they just somehow got to get together and come to a solution because the longer this thing goes the worse it's going to be and yeah. we're in the we're now once the super bowl ends we have like official off season it might drag out to like maybe the draft or maybe something like that but you, you can't get you can't go too long with this it's going to destroy any i mean the fan base the cra- you just got to get get somewhere
0: Yeah. Maximize, maximize your return because this return will be significant because we've seen disgruntled players after they've gotten a contract before, but mainly it's been wide receivers or corners. We've never seen a quarterback at this level uh, in this situation. So I would think the return on this thing is going to be huge. So Houston can still win out of this thing they got to make sure that whoever the new quarterback is that that person is able to lead this franchise but they also got to maximize their draft capital out of this thing i don't see any reason why they can't the biggest question mark is what you end up losing in deshaun watson can you get somebody that's at least close to the kind of production he gave you at the quarterback position because ultimately it's going to be judged on that when all is said and done
1: yeah again it's just the hardest thing about this is i mean i love deshaun watson the guy the guy I would, lo- I would love to build my chamber- team around that guy. Mm-hmm. And I'm just wondering what could have happened that put him so far against the Houston Texans that, they- that he demands a trade. It's just, it's not a good look. It's just got to be wiped clean at some point or it's yeah. got to be solved. You know what I mean? You've got to yeah. get more with it. Um, I, I did hear that the going rate will start at about three first round draft picks. Mm-hmm. At you know, least. Like, okay, which guy, you know, what if you're the Jacksonville Jaguars and you can get Deshaun Watson and over Trevor Lawrence, you know, right. you have a known commodity.
0: And right. Up- exactly.
1: I don't know if this is going to get into this is again, this, I don't think stuff like this is, has happened before.
0: It has not but
1: at this level at the quarterback position. um, We're going to kind of focus in on the Super Bowl, But after that, this is going to be a, a, quite a dramatic off season.
0: And he's going to be the domino too, with all of the rest of the quarterbacks that presumably are going to be available too. So once he goes wherever he goes, then where does Stafford go? Maybe Matt Ryan, is Ben Roethlisberger possibly on his way out? So, I mean, there's just, uh, this is oh, going yeah. to be Not one of the most, low. oh yeah, th- this this offseason, just with a quarterback position alone, is going to be the most fascinating offseason we have ever seen.
1: And I'll say this, I think it's going to start around the draft. Right. Because if you're talking about draft picks for Deshaun Watson, it's got to get done by the draft. So it might be the the day of the draft.
0: But look for the the new league year starts whenever what free agency was like the eighth or ninth or tenth of March, maybe give or take a day. That's when the wheels will be turning. Now, of course, we always get reports and then things become official on that first official league date in March. But yeah, I I think free agency combined with the draft, it's just going to be wild. It's, it's going to be unbelievable because the quarterback position, look, that that moves franchises. That takes you from being bad to good, good to Super Bowl contending. And there are guys out there that could probably take some of those fringe teams right to contention. So, I mean, it's going to be fascinating to watch.
1: And there's only a, maybe a handful of teams that I think
0: would not be upgraded by Deshaun Watson. I think, the Chief, I think the chiefs and the Packers are the only two teams that I can think of right now. And maybe, you know, Seattle, I think with Russell, yeah, Wilson. Yeah, Russell Wilson, but I mean, I think there's 20 teams, at least 20 teams that are going to be making a play for this because they'd be dumb not to. It's so at least 20 teams, and not it. more.
1: It's going to be some team that we never expect. It's going to land him. You know what I mean? So you're saying the, you're saying the bears.
0: You're saying, you're, saying, you're saying do shock. the Bears have any draft picks <laughs> <laughs> well I mean that's need. one thing that's one thing about Pace is he, he has no problem mortgaging the future for a guy in a quarterback position unfortunately he thought Trubisky was a better selection than Mahomes and Deshaun so. oh, could
1: have had to worry. you know and I you know it should be interesting because he gets to this kind of reminds me of um a younger version of kind of what Peyton Manning did
0: you know what I mean yeah but hey, they, but at the time, but at the time, Peyton Manning and Drew Brees or not Drew Brees, uh, Peyton Manning and um, John Elway, when Baltimore wanted them, those guys were not established in the NFL yet. They were established in college, but they weren't established in the NFL. That's why it makes this makes such different scenario, because we've already seen Deshaun Watson play dominant football in the NFL. So, I, I mean, I hear you. I think it's a, it's a great reference with what Manning and then back in the day, Elway, when they dictated where they'd be played. But we didn't know. How good those guys would be in the NFL. We know how good Deshaun Watson is. Deshaun uh, Watson's great. And
1: um, we come back next week. It should be interesting because um, there is no Super Bowl week. It's just a road game, Yeah. right? It's it, which is weird, man. And I know. I'm going to post a thing later on social media of, a, of a, an article they did about me at the Super Bowl, a guy who never didn't play a snap. Yeah. But they have a, they have like a thing about me like being like the left out guy. So um, <laughs> they don't get that this year. They're just going to it's going to be like a regular road game um there's no appearances there's no you know usually the nfl does a lot of stuff for players during that week of which players like myself will go to but not this year so it's just another game and by the time we talk next week they, they might not even be down there yet which is yeah. so it's so weird i i would hate to have, have my experience first experience be at the super bowl and not be able to experience Super bowl week so maybe a day i think it's actually an advantage to the chiefs though they don't they won't have a distraction like, that was yeah. an enormous distraction. We had to get all our practicing in this week because going down to – we were in Tampa, same place. It's just – I mean, you're all day long. Your fans are everywhere. You're going to parties. You're – going, you're the, the request from media and all this stuff. So you don't get a lot of practice done during there. But now that they're at home, they can kind of self-quarantine, do all that. Yeah. While Tampa, I think, might have to deal with a little bit more. So, I don't know. They got this Tom Brady guy who's been to a few them. Yeah. So he might know
0: Hey, they're, might have play, some they're playing in their advice. own backyard, so they don't have to even worry about traveling. So, Yep, yep, yep. So, oh, well. Um, all right, man. Good stuff this week. Um, still waiting. we got one more game. One more. We'll get more into the storylines next week. We'll get more into the matchup, who we like. We might even have a, a special guest or two joining us as well as we continue the, the big finale of our first season with the pod. Looking forward to it. All right, buddy. We'll see you next time, okay? See you. It's not a gill, it's a redstone.